0: We're going to open our Bibles this evening to the book of Nehemiah chapter 6. Nehemiah chapter 6, I really believe that the message that we have before us tonight, it's a message that is very timely, a message that is necessary, that is relevant for the time. When we look at what's taking place in our country and around our world, we are reminded and we are now able to see that there is a real need for rebuilding. There's a real need for rebuilding. And that's not a physical rebuilding, it's not a political rebuilding, it's a rebuilding that requires the Holy Spirit, a spiritual rebuilding. This is why in Nehemiah chapter 6, we've titled today's message Building Without Fear. Building without fear. How can we build today, spiritually, in the last days, in the times that we're living in, how can we build as a church without fear? It's been said that there are three types of people. Those that are afraid. Number two, those who don't know enough to be afraid. And number three, those that know their Bible. And today we come and approach the word of God knowing the final outcome. We know the final victory and the final victory is found in Jesus. We know the Bible. This is why we can build without fear. And we've seen in Nehemiah that he has demonstrated to us long obedience in the same direction. Long obedience in the same direction. And he started to build now and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem but he began to build with a broken heart with a humility he started to build with a humiliation recognizing the need and the situation that was critical he was leading through crisis And I really pray that when we see the things that are taking place, that it would draw us to a humiliation, a spiritual humility that we so desperately need. And now as he's rebuilding the walls in chapter 6, Nehemiah now begins to teach us every single chapter all over again to choose faith instead of fear. I pray that tonight we would choose faith instead of fear so that we can live without intimidation. Because too often we see the things that are taking place around our world and and we become paralyzed with fear. Paralyzed with doubt as to what's taking place or, or the fear of failure now. Whether or not others will approve of the life that we're living in, the obedience that we're living in the Lord, but it's been said before, we are, as Christians, called to lead from the front with grace, not from the rear with fear. Where are you today? Where do you find yourself today? Are you leading with these two principles that I want you to take for the rest of the year, and the number one is faith, and number two is focus. Do you have your faith in Jesus? Is it in the Lord or is it in someone else? And number two, are you focused in the middle of spiritual warfare? Because if there are two things that we need is to have faith and to be focused in the constant now battle that we are in. The enemy is going to do everything that he can to stop the church. To stop the work of the Spirit taking place in our lives. He'll, he'll do it with an attack on our health, he'll do it with an attack on our finances, on our marriage, on our ability to be able to gather. And now we see it as is taking place in the project or in the work that Nehemiah is leading, as others conspire against Nehemiah. There's a conspiracy against Nehemiah to stop the work that the Holy Spirit is doing. You know what a conspiracy is? It really a conspiracy is really a plan that is fundamentally based on deception. (laughs) On deception, a conspiracy. And if, if if you and I, as men and women, want to be effective for God, we cannot afford to believe or to entertain the lies of the enemy. Do you know what happens when you start to believe and entertain the lies of the enemy? The deception that that takes place because of the enemy then slows you down. It begins to control you now. It discourages you. And lastly, it makes you afraid. Because you are believing the lies of the enemy. So you would ask yourself tonight, then what is the answer? What is the need now at hand? And the need is one of the most important spiritual qualities that we see that is going to take place here in Nehemiah chapter 6. And that's exercising discernment. You know what discernment does? It allows you to listen to the right voice. Discernment allows you to listen to the Holy Spirit. Discernment allows you to be led by the Holy Spirit, by the truth, versus being led by the lies. And what happens for the church when we're led by deception is that we're not able to finish the work that God has called us to do. With discernment, we can grow spiritually spiritually. But without discernment, we can suffer miserably. And when we lack discernment, you know what else we lack is leadership. This is why discernment only comes with fellowship with God. Because there we have the spiritual guidance. There we have the spiritual understanding. There we have spiritual direction. And that's what we need this year. As we started this year already, with spiritual warfare at hand, what the church needs is direction. Direction. But you only become familiar with discernment as you spend time in prayer and in the word of God. And you see that Nehemiah continued to pray every single chapter and every decision that he made was a spiritual one. Whether or not he built, it was a spiritual decision. Where he hung the gates was a spiritual decision. Where he placed people, it was a spiritual decision. He was not going to move or to go unless God said to go. And now the spiritual attack comes upon the work of Nehemiah, of rebuilding the walls. But you know why the Lord allows the trial and the test, the suffering? It's because when He wants to raise someone up, when He wants to make someone stronger, He allows the trial and the suffering to take place in order for them to grow in the area of integrity and dedication. And you see that take place in Nehemiah. So he overcomes three things in chapter 6. Number one, he overcomes deception. Number two, he overcomes accusations. And finally, he overcomes fear. Let's read Nehemiah chapter 6 verse 1. It says this. Now what happened when Sambalat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that had rebuilt the wall And that there were no breaks, circle the word no breaks, left in it. Though at the time I had not hung the doors in the gates. That Samvelat Geshem sent to me saying, come, let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Ono. They thought to do me harm. So I sent messengers to them saying, I'm doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? Let's pray. Lord, we come before you, and we ask, Lord, that you would teach us to depend on you and nothing else. We pray for our country right now, Lord, the United States of America, a country that is divided, Lord, that because we've turned our back on you, Lord, we are reaping the consequences. We ask, Lord, that we would humble ourselves, And that we would see the need to rebuild, Lord, spiritually, rebuild from the inside out. We ask so that you would give us the faith and the focus to endure every spiritual attack that we're facing right now. It is in Jesus' name we pray, and together we said, Amen. So we see here in the very first verse of chapter 6 that he's going to overcome deception. Now it tells us here that it happened when Tobiah and Sambalat, Geshem, the Arab... And the rest of the enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall and that there were no breaks left in it, though at the time I had hung the doors and its gates. Now he's coming to the completion now of rebuilding the wall and it says that the enemy heard. Now notice who is present at the rebuilding of the wall. Not only is it those that are helping Nehemiah, not only it's the Jewish people that are supporting the work, but the enemy is also present and ready to stop the work. Do you know who is present right now? The enemy is present, ready to stop the work of the Spirit in our lives and in our church. And it said that the enemy noticed one thing. The enemy noticed progress, and the enemy noticed completion now. And it also says that there were no breaks now left in the walls of Jerusalem. Now, another word for for breaks now is that there were no gaps left. The reason why there were no gaps left is because Nehemiah placed men to stand in the gaps and to rebuild. You know what we need tonight is for men and women to stand in the gap. And and if we really want to see the rebuilding take place and the completion of the rebuilding take place, we should give no room for spiritual, notice this, breaks. (laughs) How often we thought we needed a spiritual break. We need a spiritual break from fellowship. We need a spiritual break from reading or from praying. Or I need a spiritual break from serving the Lord. There is never a time as a spiritual vacation or a break for the Christian believer. What happened here is that Nehemiah was so committed that finally he had closed the gaps. And the enemy was insecure. The enemy was challenged now because the work was moving forward. And the enemy will always try to stop the work of the spirit taking place in your life. So you see here in verse 2 that Sambala and Geshen sent to me saying. They came with a plan. They came with deception now. They came in fact with the first of three traps that the world and the enemy wants to present before you so that you're led astray. And the first trap is a trap of worldly friendships. You Note know the worldly friendships come in the form of distractions. Where you're dedicated to the work of the Lord, but the enemy comes and brings to you a distraction. And oftentimes, the distractions that the enemy comes and brings and places before you are masqueraded as opportunities. <laughs> See, there's an opportunity to go out and do this. The enemy will come and masquerade a distraction as an opportunity to pull you away, because it says that Sambalat and Geshen sent to me, saying, Come, let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Ono, but they sought to do me harm. Come, let us meet. The work is almost completed, in fact. But you know what was taking place is that they were trying to lure him in. They had an ulterior motive. They had a hidden agenda now. And the enemy sometimes comes to you with an invitation. Notice this invitational now that Nehemiah receives. Because the enemy wants to come and says, come, let me take your time from you. Let me distract you. Let me pull you away. And it's important that we, this year specifically, in the times that we're living in, is that we become very wise and selective on what we say yes to. We can't be saying yes to everything. You know the problem in the church takes place and the problem in the believer is in when, you, when you don't know how to say no. Because it's a sign of spiritual maturity when you can say no to a lot of things that are pulling you away from the things that God called you to do. If the enemy can distract God's people, he's already won the battle. And Nehemiah understood this even though this invitation seemed like a harmless invitation Oftentimes the enemy comes with a polite invitation, but but whatever position you may be as a believer even tonight, know this that there will be always those that want to come and be friendly to your face like the enemy, but want to see your downfall behind your back. And they came for that reason alone. They sought to do me harm. You see that that's the objective of the enemy to come and attack. Oftentimes the strategies of the enemy don't seem that they are a direct attack, but they come with one objective, is to do the believer harm. This is why we have to be alert and vigilant. Notice that it takes discernment to be able to notice these things, to be able to see these things, because look at Nehemiah, it says, so I sent messengers, verse 3, to them saying, I'm doing a great work, I cannot come down. Don't you just appreciate Nehemiah's response? They come and they say, come, let us meet together in the villages, in the plain of Ono. Come, let us meet at Ono. Nehemiah says, oh no, I'm not going. What happens here is that Nehemiah understands the importance of saying no. Why? Because he's focused. Realize that. Nehemiah is so focused, he is not distracted now. And he says, I'm doing a great work. You know what you see here in Nehemiah as a leader? Not only do you see vision for the work, but you also see vision plus commitment. And oftentimes we have a lot of good ideas. We might think we even have good vision, but do you have commitment to stay at your post, to stay at your calling so that you're not pulled away and you open yourself up to danger? What is the danger? The danger is saying yes to the invitation of the world. The danger tonight, church, is saying yes to the world's invitations. Have you been saying yes to the world's invitations? You know what happens when you start to say yes when the world is inviting you? You end up doing things that God didn't call you to do. And then we begin to pray, Lord, take us out of this situation. Take us out of this situation, Lord. Lord. You know, most of the time when you pray, Lord, take me out of this situation is because he didn't even put you there to begin with. You got yourself there because you said yes to something that God didn't call you to do. In fact, the New Living Translation says this. So I replied by sending them a message. Notice what it says this in this translation. I'm engaged in a great work so I can't come. Why should I stop working to come and to meet with you? I love what it says that Nehemiah said. He said, I'm engaged. (laughs) Because you're either going to be engaged in the work of God or you're going to be entangled in the world's invitations. Are you tonight engaged or are you entangled? What did Paul tell Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4? He said, no one that is engaged in warfare, and that is all of us tonight, engaged in warfare, entangles himself with the affairs of this life so that he can please him who enlisted him as a soldier. If you want to please the Lord in spiritual warfare, you will not become entangled with the world's invitations. You are either engaged or entangled. We are either tonight devoted now to the call of God or distracted. We cannot be all over the place. We can't be all over the place. You know what Nehemiah displays here in verse 3 as he says, I cannot come down. Why should, I, why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? Not only is he displaying focus, but he understands. he understands his spiritual priorities. Do you understand your spiritual priorities tonight? Well, you know what's most important? Nehemiah is not concerned about what everyone else is doing. He's not looking around whether others are responding to that invitation. Nor does he become comfortable because the wall is being completed. (laughs) He could have said, well, the wall is becoming completed. This is a good opportunity to go. He never thought he, would, he, he had arrived. He knew where he was called, and he knew what he was called to do as well. Because he was spiritually discerning that he was in the middle of spiritual warfare. So he said, I can't come. Why, why should this work stop, and I take a break now, and the work stops, and I come to you? There's no reason for me to go. I have no business over there. <laughs> But notice in verse 4 what it continues, it says, because they sent to me this message four times, and I answer them in the same manner. Now, did the enemy retreat as soon as Nehemiah said, I'm not going? No. The enemy came back one time again, and then a second time, and then a third time, and then a fourth time. Do you see that when we are doing the work of the Lord and we're focused to do and be obedient and serve God that the enemy is going to come more than one time. He's going to come in different ways with different strategies. And Nehemiah is so spiritually discerning he is so committed to the work that every single time he had the same answer to the invitation of the world and that answer was the answer no. Why was it no? No. Because he was consistent. He was not distracted. He was not delayed. Now, he didn't allow the enemy to come with distractions. He masqueraded as opportunities for a worldly friendship that was going to pull him away now. And every effective man and woman that wants to be effective for the Lord knows how to say, I can't come because this is pulling me away from things that are most important I want you to ask yourself tonight, is there anything that is pulling you away from things that are more important? Are you willing to say no to secondary matters, to give your full priority and your undivided attention to the things that are most important in life right now? The problem oftentimes is that our attention is so divided that we become interested in often too many things. And Nehemiah knew that as soon as he left, the work would suffer. His attendance was needed. His presence was needed. You need to be present at the work. You can't be always missing. You want to know why the work is suffering oftentimes? It's because you're not present. You want to know why there's a lot of breaks in the wall? Because you're not present. Well, oftentimes the home looks like there, are, there is a, a need to fill in the gaps. It's because you are missing. You are not present in the area of commitment. But Nehemiah understood that. And he had discernment. What is discernment you would ask yourself? It's the ability to judge the matters according to God's view of them. That is discernment. I can see it according to God's view, not according to the outward appearance. Now, I'm not just going to be fooled by this invitation because oftentimes as believers, we're deceived by simple outward appearances. Well, that looks good. Then I'm going to go and I'm going to be a part of it. That looks like a great opportunity. But we cannot be fooled by outward appearances. Do you remember what the Lord told the prophet Samuel? He says, for the Lord does not see as man sees for man looks at the outward appearance, but God is looking directly at the heart. And the problem, the heart of the problem, is always the problem of the heart. That is the heart of the issue, the heart now. Oftentimes we suffer a great deal because we lack discernment. We follow people that appear and have good appearance, but they lack the nature of Jesus. You want discernment? You, know, you want to know how to develop discernment first? First? If you want discernment, you have to ask the Lord, Lord, I want to see things the way you see them, so I need to get to know your word. And I want to encourage you tonight, as we've even started the first week of the year, 2021, that you would get to know the book. Do you have a plan to finish the entire Bible this year cover to cover? Because if you don't have a plan, more than likely it's not going to happen. We need to get to know the word of God if we need discernment discernment to discern the times but secondly discernment comes with spiritual maturity and that's what nehemiah had through prayer and then discernment also the bible tells us it's the gift of the holy spirit so we have to seek him lord give us the discernment to see things the way you see them Because without discernment, these dangerous invitations from the enemy can really, uh, that he offers, can really affect our lives. And we can think that this this dangerous invitation is an offer for reconciliation. And we as Christians are never to be reconciled to the world. We are to be reconciled to God. Not to the world. You know what this discernment provided for Nehemiah? He provided him that one word that we need, and that's focus. He knew what God wanted him to do, and he did it. He wouldn't be sidetracked by things that sounded good, but they weren't of the Lord for him. You know, we're going to face many opportunities this year with good ideas. That they sound good. They maybe even appear good. They're good things. But are they of the Lord, and are they for you? Just because it sounds good and just because it looks good, it doesn't mean that it's of the Lord. And it doesn't mean it's for you. It doesn't mean it's for you right now. (laughs) This is why discernment gives us focus and we're able to say no. We're committed to the Lord. Now, not only does he overcome this deception, but he also overcomes accusations. Let's keep reading here in verse 6, the accusations that Nehemiah overcomes. Then Sambalat sent his servant to me before, as before the fifth time with an open letter in his hand. Now notice this. The enemy comes and he comes with a different strategy. That's why we have to be wearing the armor of God that we're able to discern the tactics and the wiles of the enemy. He comes with a different strategy now. And Sambalat sends now his servants now a fifth time with the letter. But it's interesting, when you tell the enemy no time and time and after time, you know what happens is that the real motives of the enemy in your life are exposed. Nehemiah said no many times. So Sambalat and Tobiah became impatient now and their motivations are exposed. The truth is exposed. What I love about Nehemiah is that he's not a man who's scared to face the facts, He's not a man without a backbone. He's a man that has integrity running through his spine, iron. A man that knows how to stand the test of warfare. There's a big difference between a man and, being a man and woman that is available and another one that's a yes man. There's a big difference between being available and being a yes man. You know what, a, what a available is and a yes man? A yes man, you know what he does? It's, it's a person with a weak backbone. Saying yes to everything. And Nehemiah comes here with a letter now to accuse Nehemiah. The Sambalak comes with a letter to accuse Nehemiah of his intentions. Do you see how the enemy always comes and tries to even attack our intentions and the second attack is worldly slander? Well, if I can't be give you uh, and attack you and overcome you by worldly friendships, I will attack you by worldly slander. I will come and I'll speak against you. And look at the letter, what the letter said in verse 6. It says, And in it was written, it is reported among the nations, and Geshem says, that you and the Jews plan to rebel. Therefore, according to these rumors... You're rebuilding the wall that you may be their king. <laughs> and you also have appointed prophets to proclaim concerning you at Jerusalem, saying, There is a king in Judah. Now, these matters will be reported to the king, so come therefore and let us consult together. <laughs> you see what the enemy does now in this slander, these false accusations, this conspiracy, these lies. Why is it important to have the discernment of the Holy Spirit? Is so that we do not, uh, and we are not misguided or misled by deception. We are not misled. Because it says here that this, this letter came, and it says it's reported that you plan to rebel, and that you're rebuilding this wall because you want to be the king. And these rumors, these accusations, and this criticism that is coming now, is going to come to the ears of the king. In fact, we've heard that you have prophets proclaiming that there's a king in Judah, so you must come. Let's talk together. Not only are these accusations, but the accusations come with a threat. A threat. You slow down now, Nehemiah. We know what you're doing. What's the outcome of this accusation? The outcome of this accusation is confident integrity, confident integrity. What does the Bible say in Proverbs chapter 18? The wicked flee when no one is chasing them, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. What do you see in Nehemiah? He's bold. He has nothing to hide. There is no reason for him to be afraid and to believe this. And there's no reason for you and I today to live in fear any longer either. There's no reason as we know the word of God. Because in verse 8 it says this, Then I sent to them saying, No such things that you say are being done, but you invent them in your own heart. These stories are false stories. Why? The enemy is opposed and will be opposed now when you're being faithful to the work that God's called you to do, but he's not allowing the accusations to dictate his pace. Have you allowed the accusations of the enemy maybe coming into your mind or the accusations of those that are coming against you to dictate the pace of what God called you to do, but because others don't approve of it, then you want to just slow down, stop, maybe reset instead of going and moving forward that God called you to do. What did Paul tell the church of Corinth in 1 Corinthians 15, 58? He says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, I love you, church, brethren, be steadfast, stand your ground, <laughs> immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. What is it that we are to receive from Nehemiah chapter 6? Be steadfast, be immovable. Don't let nothing shake you. Don't let nothing move you now. And Nehemiah, he could have spent time right now trying to defend himself, trying to prove that Sambalat was wrong and prove their point, but he wasn't going to waste his time. You know what he was going to do? He was going to continue to do what he was called to do. Now notice the verse 9, the objective of why they came. It says, For they were all trying to make us afraid, saying, Their hands will be weakening in the work, and it will not be done. (laughs) The accusations were coming with intimidation. And the intimidation, you know what it produces in our lives when the enemy comes to try to intimidate us? It produces insecurity. And when the enemy comes to intimidate us, it also produces discouragement. And Nehemiah realized what they're trying to do is intimidate us so that we become insecure and that we become discouraged and the work doesn't become done they're trying to weaken us discourage us do you see what he does now how he responds how is nehemiah responding here in verse nine he's resilient he's relentless in prayer because you see here in verse nine at the end of verse nine it says now therefore O god strengthen my hands what a beautiful prayer It's a one-line prayer, one-liner. Therefore, Lord, you see what they're trying to do. Lord, here are my hands. Strengthen our hands. Should that not be our prayer tonight? Oh, Lord, strengthen our hands amid the spiritual warfare. Do you see that throughout the entire book of Nehemiah, that his entire work and determination, his mindset, it's all tethered by prayer. Every single chapter, there's prayer included. Because that's the only way a work survives. That's the only way any work survives. When it's covered by prayer. You you want to know why works fail? Spiritual works oftentimes that start in the spirit, but end in the flesh, is because somewhere along the road, someone stopped praying. Someone stopped praying. And he continues with greater determination now As prayer is a response to encouragement, he's faithful in the warfare now and he doesn't allow discouragement. Notice this, church. I want you to pay attention to this. He doesn't allow discouragement to be an excuse for disobedience. (laughs) You you see the, the response, the reaction of people even today. Discouragement, notice this, even for today, is not an excuse for disobedience. He didn't look for a way out. He looked for more strength in the spirit of God. He didn't look for the approval of other people's opinions. He looked for strength by the hand of God. Oh Lord, strength in our hands." It was Ellen Redpath that said this, "No man can lead a work of God if he allows himself to be governed by what other people think. He is to secure help, fellowship, prayer, advice. And he is foolish not to take it. But if, he, if his ultimate decisions are based on popular opinions, he's gonna fail. You know why Nehemiah didn't fail? Because only one opinion mattered, and that was God's opinion. This is why he went to prayer. This is why he's standing for truth. And truth comes with its fair share of bruises. But now from verse 10 to verse 19, not only does he overcome the accusations, but he also overcomes fear. The world comes to offer him a worldly friendship. The world comes also to come and offer these distractions and and give worldly slander. But the the third attack, as he overcomes fear, is that he overcomes this worldly religion to become comfortable. Notice in verse 10. Afterwards I came to the house of Shemai, the son of Deliah, the son of Mehetabel, who is a secret informer, and he said, Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple, and let us close the doors of the temple, for they are coming to kill you. Indeed at night, they're gonna come and kill you. <laughs> and he comes, and now someone tells him here that he is to go into the house of God and to hide out. Because they want to kill him. In fact, what they want Nehemiah to do is they want to force him to compromise. And oftentimes the enemy comes as a wolf in sheep's clothing wanting to force the church to try to compromise. And he's persuading Nehemiah into an easygoing, compromising religion here that will shrink the persecution. It's going to shrink the persecution here. But at the expense of him not carrying the cross any longer. Why? Because it's governed by the false opinions of other people. And you know when Nehemiah responds, he says, I'm not going to live that way. Why should a man of God, why should a leader, why should someone with a responsibility like the one I have run from danger to save my life? Why should I run? You know what happens when you run? You expose yourself to the enemy. Because when we look at the armor of God, have you noticed that every armor is an offensive armor? It's, it's, it's an armor that you put in the forefront the, the belt, the breastplate, the boots, the helmet. But there is no peace for your back. Because you're not to turn your back to the enemy. You're not to turn your back to the enemy. And you know what happens when you run? You expose yourself as you turned your back to the enemy. Nehemiah said, I'm not going to live that way. I'm not going to compromise in order to try to gain safety. In order to try to gain safety, notice what happens in verse 11. And I said, Should such a man as I flee? And who is there such as I who would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. <laughs> again he knows how to say no first the intimidation try to come from without then the intimidation tries to come from within and he shrugs these accusations off of him he's focused on the people that he's serving now and he continues to be dedicated and committed because in verse 12 it says then i perceived that god had not sent him i realized this at all But that he would pronounce this prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sambala had hired him. (laughs) Circle the word in your Bible, perceived. (laughs) What, What led him to perceive this? You see, what led him to perceive this is that Nehemiah was connected and he was plugged in to hearing the Lord now because he had been praying. He was able to perceive, he was able to discern now God did not send him, and notice that it says, at all. (laughs) This is a plan and the work of the enemy. They're hired by the enemy. Why should I be afraid? In fact, notice what it says here in verse 12 as it continues, and it says this, for this reason he was hired. Why is the enemy coming to attack? Why does the enemy hire out, contract out to come and slow you down? In order that I be afraid and act that way in sin you know what fear does it changes the way that you act (laughs) fear changes your behavior and it ultimately when we allow fear to change our behavior it causes us to sin because it changes the way you act here nehemiah says i'm not going to live by emotion i'm going to live by faith now And notice what happens when it changes the way you act and you begin to sin. Sin gives others a reason to accuse you and to discredit you. Notice what it says in verse 13 so that they might have a cause for evil report, that they might reproach me. Why does the enemy want to come and accuse me and instill fear in me and intimidate me? So it changes the way that I act and then I sin. But what did Nehemiah realize? He discerned this is not of God. Because the Lord doesn't give me a spirit of fear. Why did he knew that, know that this, this message and this prophet, this false prophet, why did he know that he wasn't sent from the Lord? Because he knew fear wasn't from the Lord. Fear isn't from God. What does the Bible says? God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. And if that is packaged in fear, then that is not of the Lord. But God given, he has given us a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. A mind that can discern. Now notice this. God never gives us discernment so that we can criticize, but that we may intercede God doesn't give us discernment so that we criticize, but that we intercede. You know what intercede means? To be able to pray on behalf of other people. Intercessors. And this caused them to go back in prayer. Verse 14. Look at the prayer. My God. Remember, Tobiah and Sambala, according to these works, and the prophet, Nodiah, and the rest of the prophets, who would have made me afraid. Oh, Lord, remember their work. Remember what they have done. Remember the false prophets that have tried to intimidate me, that have tried to stop me. And he gave it over to the Lord. He said, Lord, protect me. Lord, preserve me from the enemy now that wants to come and stop me and slow me down, because he sensed the pressure of spiritual Warfare. Have you sensed the pressure of spiritual warfare today? Have you sensed the pressure of the enemy looking to come in and disguise himself as an angel of light? Have you sensed the the fear that wants to remove and make you lose your confidence in God? Because that's what fear is. Fear, really what it wants to do is is, is make you lose your confidence in God. And, And feeling fear, I want you to know this, church, is not sin itself. The feeling of fear. But it's yielding to that intimidation of God's enemies. It is yielding now in effort to preserve himself. What would he have displayed in Nehemiah? His lack of confidence in the Lord. And Nehemiah is saying, no, I have confidence in the Lord now. This false prophet offered Nehemiah an easy way out, but it was the way of fear. It was the way of disobedience. And tonight we can't choose that way. You know what he knew? And what we're going to learn right now in these next few verses, even as we come to an end, that, that, that no work or nothing can stand against a work of God. Nothing can stand against the work of God. What did the Lord tell the church of Philadelphia in Revelation? I'm the Lord, and I open now. I have the key of David, he who opens, and no one shuts, and he who shuts, and no one opens. What What a promise for us today. I hold the keys, and I'm he who closes doors, and no one can open those doors. And I open doors that no one can shut. What would happen if we trusted the Lord with that verse for our country tonight? Lord, we praise you. Not only do we praise you for the open doors, Lord, we also want to praise you for the closed doors because you know what you're doing. And we maybe not have chosen this for ourselves, but you so chose it for us because you want to produce something in us that is greater and that is aligned to biblical prophecy. Now notice here in verse 15. So the wall was finished. <laughs> Would you underline that? Would you circle that? Would you remember that? They finished what they started now. It was a work of the Spirit. A work of the Spirit always stands the test of spiritual warfare. And it was finished because it was covered in prayer. But how long did it take? This is incredible, church. Notice this. It was finished on the 25th day of Elul in 50 two days the entire walls were finished in 52 days <laughs> do you see that's less than 2 months in less than 2 months the entire walls of Jerusalem were rebuilt now notice in less than 2 months they were rebuilt But if you look back from chapters 1 and 2, it took Nehemiah four months of prayer before he even began to tell the king what God had put in his heart. That means that he spent four months praying, but only two months building. He worked much harder and much longer in the area of prayer than he did in the area of rebuilding the walls. This should be a lesson to us right now. Because the person that knows how to pray is the person that knows what God wants him to do. You want to know what God wants you to do? Then spend time praying. And don't stop. Don't stop. Don't leave your prayer closet until you know that you know that God has told you what you must do. Nehemiah didn't begin until he first counted the cost in prayer. And then he didn't stop until he had finished the work. And notice this. He does it all for the glory of God. Notice, in 52 days, the work was done. Everybody knew about the, the walls of Jerusalem, that, that they were broken down, and the gates were burned with fire. Many people had seen them. Many people, and maybe you have noticed the walls that are broken down, the spiritual walls. Maybe you see the inner man, the spiritual life that is broken down right now. And oftentimes, the things that we do is that we look at the walls, we look at the situation, the critical crisis that is taking place, and we don't go beyond wishful thinking about how, what a great idea it would, see it would be, or we can see it be rebuilt. It's a good idea. We should rebuild. You know what's possible? That nobody had the shepherd's heart like Nehemiah. Because Nehemiah had an eye that led him to see a need and it gave him a burden. And he was called to protect God's people. He was called to do God's work. He was watching. He was on guard when others were not on guard. And finally came here, Nehemiah, to Jerusalem, a man that was grieved at the situation. He was ached, he prayed, he planned, he asked boldly, he went, he fought, he encouraged other people. He was strong until the completion of the wall. But notice what happened. He also had people around him with the same kind of heart. Do you have that heart to see the work completed? You want to see the work completed in your family? You want to see the work completed in your life right now? Maybe the work completed in your children. Or the work completed that needs to be done in our country. How are we to respond? In prayer. In humiliation. Saying, Lord, not only do we want to be a part of the answer, we confess That we are also a part of the problem. Repentance. And notice what happens here, even in verse 16. It says, And it happened when all our enemies heard of it that all the nations around saw these things. They were disheartened in their own eyes, for they perceived that this was a work that was done by our God. What was the conclusion of the matter? That you can't fight against God. That's the conclusion. What did, what did they perceive? What did they realize? That this was a work of the Lord. This had the fingerprints of God all over it now. Who can stand against the plan of God? No, nobody can stand against the plan of God. When it's a work of man, it's never going to last. When it's a work of the flesh, it will not last. When we try to, in our own strength, in our own ability, with our own plan, try to fix things, it will not happen. But this here was a work that was God-initiated and it was God-empowered. Do you remember in the, in the book of Acts when the religious leaders tried to come against the disciples and Gamaliel came and he said in chapter 5 of Acts, it said, I say to you, keep away from these men and leave them alone. For if this is a plan or a work of men, it will come to nothing. But this was a plan of God. And it was one thing, long obedience in the same direction. <laughs> so what are we to do tonight? We ought to continue to obey, to stay the course stay the course not answer to the world's invitations not believe the slander and the lies of the enemy and not compromise with a worldly religion of hiding out and staying back you know what the enemy wants you to do to hide out the church is not called to hide out nehemiah was invited come hide out come stay back come shrink back But the church is not called to shrink back, to hide out, or to stay back. And in verse 17, it says this, Also in those days the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah, and the letters of Tobiah came to them. For many in Judah were pledged to him because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Arah, and the son of Jehonan. And he had married the daughter of Meshelem, the son of Berechiah. You see here that Tobiah and the religious leaders in Judah who did not want to work continue their communication now with Tobiah and they sent many letters of opposition and discouraging and critical letters in the ongoing days of the 52 days that they were rebuilding the wall. Why? Because they had a political interest for power. They were prideful and selfish. You know what's so sad is that when you see us become so distracted with a political interest for power, we belong to a different kingdom. Our citizenship is in heaven. God said, I will build my church, and he doesn't need anyone's competition. Notice what happened here. Also, they reported his good deeds before me and reported my words to him. And Tobias sent letters to frighten me. To frighten me. What do you do when you get the letters of the enemy? You know what you do? You pick up the letters of God in the Word of God. Pick up these letters. These are the letters that, as the enemy blasts, God continues to build. Who has the final word? God has the final word. And this is why persistency pays rich dividends so that we as a church never, never, never give in and we remain faithful. Amen.